We have to do three gatherings here because of the size of this sanctuary in order to position ourselves to continue to grow uh, and reach as many people as we can feel far from God. But, uh, and, and many of you know that our lease uh, is up at the end of June this month, but we have a 30-day grace period, which means we can remain here to the end of July, which works out perfectly because we'll be moving into our new worship center uh, in Ridwood City the first weekend in August, August 5 and 6. Celebrate that. Praise God. Amen. And uh, I should say our, uh, our new air-conditioned weekend <laughs> worship <it> center. <laughs> That's what? That's exciting, right? All right. It's getting even more exciting. Check this out. The facility can seat up to 1,000 people, which means that we can start off with at least with two worship gatherings. Uh, and uh, we look forward to continuing to expand, but we'll be starting off with two worship gatherings. So, uh, so we get to consolidate uh, the volunteers that's been spread over three worship gatherings. Uh, and for those of you who are not yet serving, it's your opportunity. Because you get, the, listen, the gatherings were going to be 9 and 11 a.m., all right? So you can worship at 9 and serve at 11, or you can serve at 9 and worship at 11. It's all, it's your choice, right? Praise God. Yes. So uh, let me tell you how you know that I'm talking to you. <laughs> if you've been here at least six months. And if you come at least a couple times a month, and you may not have joined, you may not be quote-unquote a partner, whatever the case is, but you consider this to be your worship community, uh, um, and you're not serving, you're not working with the kids, you're not helping to park cars, you're not laying out donuts or hosting or being a greeter, you just kind of, you know, you're coming in, you shake a few hands, you're sitting, listening, singing, worshiping, you're getting about three donuts and coffee and on your way out, right? <laughs> I'm talking to you! <laughs> because it is time for you to move to the next season, if you're physically able. Now, we've got some folk who are not physically able, but if you're able... The next step for your growth and development, even if you're not sure where you are in terms of your faith, but this is your space of showing up because you don't have to know Bible to park cars, <laughs> right? Uh, as long as you can smile and be happy. Uh, and uh, you don't have to fully understand everything about Jesus uh, to help people get a nice cup of coffee and some donuts and make them feel like they're worth a million dollars. And so... We're saying to you, if you fit that criteria, whatever the age, uh, over the next week or two, I want you to sign up to serve. You don't have to serve every weekend, maybe once a month, maybe it's a couple of times a month. But I tell you, it's going to be transformational uh, in terms of your growth, and you're going to help us because what God has called us to do, we can only do together. And you're going to help us to communicate a contagious hospitality. The same thing that attracted you here. You show up and you, people have loved on you. Become a part of the love effort. Amen? Amen. Come on, give God a hand praise. Thank you. All right, let's get busy. Uh, uh, if you stand, we're going to read the scripture. It's going to be right on the screen. It comes from Philippians uh, chapter 3, verse 13. 
And uh, if you can see it, let's read it out loud together. No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing. Shout focus. focus. Forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. Lord, we ask your blessings that you do something supernatural for all of us in this room, for those who are listening by video, would you? And for the one that's teaching. Uh, affect how we think. Affect what we do. Affect our hearts, would you? Let us keep growing, if but just a little bit. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. If you're just joining us for the very first time, we're in the third week of a series that we have entitled, Don't Panic. And the big idea of this series is that a growing relationship with Jesus Christ enables or equips you uh, to daily, everybody shout daily, because it's not a one-time victory, to daily overcome uh, our battles with anxiety. A real big deal, especially here throughout Silicon Valley. When I talk about anxiety, I'm really talking about uh, the ver various ways that it expresses itself in our lives uh, in ways that, that, in some, that, that is kind of off balance, throws us off balance. It may be uh, in the form of worry or apprehensions or fears. Uh, and oftentimes it shows up in our lives and we just have not connected the dots. We've not understood that what's really going on is that we're just anxious. It's anxiety. It's worry. Let me give you some examples. Uh, some people, when they are super anxious, they literally shut down. They feel overwhelmed. They cannot move forward. They just totally shut down. That's anxiety. I know a person who uh, every time this person is anxious, uh, he, he, starts to, he, he just lies. Uh, he, he just starts making up stuff. And, 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 and he hasn't connected a dot that this is his, really his, his anxiety, his anxiousness overtaking him. I know another person that every time they feel anxious, uh, they become agitated and angry and combative uh, and, and do not look at the person next to you I'm not, don't, don't do that <laughs> so, 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 so uh, uh, you know they haven't connected the dots that this is anxiety and for some of us anxiety has a physiological uh, context really and, and medic, uh, visiting a doctor and, and medication is helpful. It's just like high blood pressure, which, which I deal with. Medication is helpful. But this series is focused on whether you're uh, engaging with this medically or, or not. That the Apostle Paul, as he writes to the Philippians, uh, to, uh, the Christians in the city of Philippi, he's under house arrest for about two years, 24-7 chained to a Roman God. He knows anxiety. And so week, each week, we're looking for a different insight from this one who is very familiar with anxiety to help us to deal with, with this issue. And so uh, rather than panic, we're challenging you to make different choices. So the first week, Paul taught us uh, that rather than panic, that we should choose 
uh, to trust God. And I told you this is not an arbitrary kind of uh, sense of trust. Uh, that really the best way to describe this, and I, I spend a few minutes here each week because this is a big deal. The best way to describe what Paul is talking about uh, is that we first make the decision to belong to God, to give our life to God. That means that we allow our lives to be wrapped up in God's purpose and God's plan and that we're willing to be submissive to God's authority in our daily lives. Ask the person next to you, do you belong to God? Ask them. That's the question, right? And so it's out of this context that we begin to get spiritual resources for when we get anxious that we can draw on that essentially makes the difference. Now, let me give you a personal example from my own life. Uh, last week, I uh, went for my... Uh, Annual, annual, annual medical physical. And I usually go every year, and it is a high anxiety-provoking experience for me, as is the case for that most men I know. That's why we usually don't go to the doctor until we have to. And I'm married to a doctor. Uh, <laughs> but at her insistence, I go, but somehow I, got to, I skipped it last year, and, you know, just kind of put it off, put it off, put it off. So she said this year, you, you're going to the doctor. So I asked, thank God for my senior assistant, gave it to her because I would have never uh, scheduled it. Why? It's my anxiety. <laughs> but she scheduled an appointment. And my Rhonda doesn't help at all. Because two, three nights before the appointment comes, she's, she comes up with a list of all these different tests. And she texts them to me and says, make sure the doctor runs all these tests on you. And I go, why? <laughs> Where did that come from? Why you, why you, did God speak to you? What? So, can you say anxiety? Anyway, I go, I remember the morning I got ready to go. High anxiety, sweat and everything. And then I remembered, as I was getting dressed, you know, what, what, what drives anxiety is the anticipation of the worst, right? And, and I got a lot to pull from. Look, I've been a pastor for almost 30 years. I've seen it all. I've buried 16-year-olds and 25-year-olds and 40, 50, on and up. I've seen somebody healthy today, and I'm burying them tomorrow or next week. So I got all these, this stuff in my head about what can go wrong. And I, I realized, and this is what I said that morning, Lord, I belong to you. And th there's always a possibility I can go and get a bad test. But at the end of the day, I belong to you. Wrapped up in your purpose. I'm wrapped up in your plan. You know, and, and I could feel this sense of peace begin to come. Then I started thinking about, but what if I have to take treatments? <laughs> and then I said, well, look, then now Pastor Tillman's going to have to preach for these. And I got to redesign this thing. And I'm gonna, my mind started running again. And then I had to bring myself back. But I belong to you. I'm wrapped up in your purpose and your plan. And you for God, there are no surprises, is what I was saying to him. And so you've got it, whatever it is, you've got to work out. I will trust you. I'm sitting in the chair, I'm there, 
and the person, the lady, the young lady is about to take my blood pressure, which always makes my blood pressure go high. <laughs> Can somebody say anxiety? anxiety. <laughs> but then I just inwardly, I didn't say it out loud. Lord, I belong to you. I'm wrapped up in your purpose. I'm wrapped up in your plan. I'm submitted to your authority. And, I, 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 and it's, it was a, it, it anxiety would rise and I'd overcome it. It would rise and I'd overcome it. And, and, and it, it, my anxiety dropped from about a nine on a scale of one to ten, uh, not to zero, but to about three. To about three, which enabled me to move forward. Now, I asked the person that you asked a few moments again the same question. If you listen to my video, ask this question to yourself. But ask the person next to you, do you belong to God? Because every week that I labor here, that's my prayer. That's my prayer. I'm making a case for Jesus. And I'm making a case that you will entrust the totality of your life to him. It is the best life insurance in all eternity. And it transforms your day-to-day experience. So, Paul's challenge is us. Don't panic. Choose to trust. Secondly, he taught us last weekend, of course, uh, as we looked at chapter 2, that we have to kind of change how we live if we're going to overtake anxiety. And so, you know, we, we, we have to stop living lives that are obsessed with gaining personal advantage. That's driven by unhealthy competition. There's healthy competition, but I'm talking about unhealthy. We've got to stop trying to impress people. That, that, that can't be the primary drive. You, you know, that my kids got to be better than your kids. I've got to be cuter than you are. I've got to be smart. I've got to drive a better car. No. Rather than that, what Paul says is don't panic. Choose to align your life with God's purpose. And if you align with God's purpose, you don't have to worry about that. Now, there's a transition inside it. And then finally, uh, uh, forget about yourself long enough to see the needs of others. So today, as we go to chapter 3, and I hope you're reading a chapter a week along with us. Paul teaches uh, that another way to continue to drive past anxiety is not to panic, but choose Focus. Everybody shout focus. Now let me give you an example of what focus can do. I have this broom. And on Friday night, I had my broom ready. I even posted on Facebook. Anybody's got my Facebook. I found five brooms and I posted them in a picture. Because, you know, we did this three zip. I'm just waiting on the warriors to come and just, <laughs> to my shock and heartbreak and total dismay, the Cavaliers came out focused. If you want to see the power of focus, Friday night was about the power of focus. And, and the great lesson here is, it doesn't matter how high anxiety has piled up on your life, if you can get yourself to focus, you can overcome it. Now, I don't like the fact that 
they are available for that lesson. <laughs> but we, we are a diverse congregation. We have warrior fans and cavalier fans here. Praise God. Come, come, give God a hand. Praise. Celebrate. Celebrate. <laughs> we don't have... <laughs> I don't think we have many Cavalier fans here, but that's all right. We love you. <laughs> well, we will love you after the series is over. Okay. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> Woo, Lord have mercy. All right. Okay, 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 okay. Let me ask y'all a couple questions. I got to get it driving this, through this text. I'm, I'm, I'm backing into chapter three. Now, if you believe in God, just shout yes. yes. All right. A little more serious, a little more question of depth. If you believe God has imagination, shout yes. yes. You know, the whole world, the universe, right? You, me, we come out of his imagination. If you believe that God's imagination is greater than your imagination, shout yes. yes. All right. And if that's true, then it would also be true that what God imagines for your life is a whole lot bigger than what you imagine for your life. Go ahead, celebrate that. That's... This is the backdrop of how we're bagging into chapter 3 because what Paul is saying, or let me just make this point very quickly, and, and what God imagines for our lives shows up differently in different lives. What God imagined for me will look differently in my life than in what, what God imagines for you. And what God imagines for us doesn't always, you know, God is not imagining, for example, that, that we all, all of us have to become wealthy in order to be impactful. Now, I know most of you are thinking, well, I hope that's not what he's imagining for me. I know. But you just have to remember people like Mother Teresa, who changed the world from a vow of poverty. You don't need to be wealthy for God to live out his best purposes in your life. What God has imagined for some of us doesn't include us having political or corporate power, Right? You can see that just by watching the finals, uh, and you see that, whether it's LeBron or Steph or whoever it is, that there's a whole young generation of young people being inspired to dream big and to, and to, and to dream of being NBA players and, 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 in a sense, world changers, just watching what they do on that court. So you don't need political power or corporate power to be impactful. But to slip into what God imagines for your life is a sense of your trying to really connect to what God's purpose is for your life. And you live that out at a level of faithfulness. Now, if Steph was here, he would say he was born to play basketball. If his mama was here, she would say he was called to play basketball. Essentially, they're saying the same thing, but they're interpreting it a bit differently. Yes, God gave him the gifts and the skills, but God gave him the gifts and the skills for a purpose. His mother told him a long time ago so that he could be put on a larger stage so that people could get to know who God is through his life. 
So this is what Paul is finding out in chapter 3. And, and what Paul is saying is, man, he, he, what, he's, what he's arguing with some folk there who are essentially saying, look, in order to be in a relationship even with Jesus Christ, you have to qualify. And the only way that you can qualify to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ is that you keep the Jewish law. And even if you're not Jewish, you need to keep the Jewish law flawlessly. If you do that, you qualify to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Paul says, no, what God imagines for us is bigger than that. And what Paul is saying is that, that what I used to imagine for myself sounded much like that argument, but I found out that it was wrong. He said, look, I mastered all that stuff. Look, put verse 6 up on there. You, you, you see what he's talking about, uh, Philippians 3, verse 6? Essentially saying, look, he starts off, but he, he talks about, I was so zealous that I, I, I harshly persecuted the church. As for righteousness, I obeyed the law without a fault. The previous verse, he says, look, I was born an authentic Jew from the tribe of Benjamin, <clears throat> where, where great kings come from that tribe. You know, I mastered all of that stuff. That's what I imagined for myself. Next verse, put the next verse up, verse six. Watch what he says. I once thought, Verse 6, I once thought these things were valuable, was worth my giving my all to pursue, but, shout but, now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Not worthless, meaning they don't value, they're not having the value, but meaning when I compare them to what Jesus has offered for me, they become worthless, right? Next verse, come on, next verse. Yes, everything else is worthless when what? Compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for his sake, I have discarded the pursuit of what I've imagined. That's what he's saying here. Come on, everything else. Counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ. Oh, what God imagines for me is far more than what I could have ever imagined for myself. And a relationship with Jesus is the doorway into what God has imagined for me. That's what he's saying. Begins there. So for Paul, focus that drives him past anxiety begins with a focus on knowing Jesus. That's his focus. Watch the next verse. Next verse. So becoming one with him, I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. In other words, it's not about qualifying. Rather, I become righteous, I mean right relationship with, with Jesus, through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself isn't that I qualify me but he qualifies me through what Jesus has done right with himself depends on faith in what God, not in what I have done, in what God has done. Next verse, watch this, next verse. So, here it is. I, here's this first, first part of it. I want to, now this first line is going to sound very exciting. Even if you're not a Christian, you like this first line. I want to know Christ and, watch this, this is where it gets really exciting, experience the mighty power, shout mighty power, 
the mighty power that raised him from the dead. And what he's saying is, I want God's supernatural power, the power that brought a dead person back to life again. I want that, exp- I want that operating in my life. I want to see it on my job. I want to see it in my relationships. I want to see miracles all around, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, I want to. That's what I want to see. Now, the next phrase, he loses most of us. We, we relate with him right here. I say, yeah, Paul, we got you. High five. But then he says, I also want, watch it, to suffer with him. Whoa, he said, give me my high five back. (laughs) I want that. (laughs) And then he says, sharing in his death. So, oh, Paul, you really get just, you just lost your mind. Next verse. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection, the full cycle. From the dead. Let me tell you what Paul's talking about. I got a text from my, one of my former elders yesterday from Boston. Millie is her name. And she said, Reb, they call me Reb back in Boston. She said, Reb, my daughter, who was a little girl when I left, who's a teenager now, asked me the other day, is Reb still married? And Millie said, of course he is. And the little girl said, well, I mean, her daughter said, so Millie said, why do you ask? She said, well, I was on Facebook, and he posted something at the game, and he said that he was there with his girlfriend. (laughs) So, So Millie said, well, that's what he calls his wife, his girlfriend, all right? Now, now, let me talk about my girlfriend. My wife for 30 years, my girlfriend for 31. Here's the distinction. Most of you are here two, three times a month. You get to hear me preach regularly. Amen? All right. Over the course of the last two, two three years, lots of messages. So someone say, do you know Pastor Herman? Your first instinct would be to say, sure. But the fact of the matter is, even though you're in my presence, you don't really know me. You haven't lived with me. You haven't been with me when I've been in the valley. You haven't been with me when when I was losing. You haven't been with me. Now, my girlfriend, on the other hand, she knows me. Because for the last 30 years, she's been doing life with me. And there's just parts of me that you just can't get to know until you experience it in life with me. And so, you know, when I was up on the mountaintops and, and you know, great things happened, she was inside of that. And, and there was a, parts of me that she got to know in, in that space. But then when I showed up in the valley and life wasn't sweet and we were dealing with grief and pain, she was in that with me. And, and she, she discovered other parts of me in that experience. Uh, and, and then when I suffered loss, she was in that with me. And she discovered other parts of me in that experience. Come on. And, and so now here we are and the Lord is blessing us. She's in this with me. And, 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 and so, see, my girlfriend knows Herman Hamilton. And what Paul is saying is that you really can't get to know Jesus until you decide that I want to do life with Jesus. 
that, that I, wanna, I, wanna, I want Jesus wrapped up in my life when things are going well, but I want Jesus wrapped up in my life. Come on, when things are not going well, I want to I engage him. I want to see different facets of who Jesus is in the good days, in the bad days, the mountaintops, in the valleys, the wins and the losses. And so that's what he's doing. He's using the crucifixion as a real kind of capsule to capture the total experience of doing life with Jesus. The power part, the suffering part, the death part, then the resurrection part. And he says that inside of doing life with Jesus, I get to know him. And here's what Paul concludes. Paul concludes that in his life, Jesus is always the X factor. Everybody say the X factor. I can put a circle there. I'm going to come back to that in just a minute. Now, go to the next verse. Watch the next verse. Next verse. He says, now, listen, let me just be honest with you guys. I, I don't mean to say that I have already achieved these things or that I have already reached Perfection. Everybody shout perfection. When, when you see that word perfection, just substitute it with God's best life for me. That's what he's meaning, right? But I press on to possess that perfection, God's best life for me, for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. So listen, guys, what he's saying is that's my heart to know Jesus to follow him, to serve him, to get to know who he is, to obey him as I, as I walk with him. But I just don't do that perfectly, he's saying. I have some good days and some bad days. All right? Then he says, but watch this. Next verse. So no, brothers and sisters, let me be honest with you. I have not arrived. I haven't achieved it. This, this good thing that I'm talking about, of knowing Jesus that way. But, shout but, I focus. Everybody shout focus. I focus on this one thing. And now what Paul is going to teach here is an incredible insight. It's, an, it's, it's really, again, it's a discipline. It's a, it's, it's a focus of life. He says, I focus on this one thing. Forgetting the past, come on now, uh, uh, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. All right, so here's what Paul would say. If you want to drive past anxiety every day in your life, he says you got to do two. You got to focus has to do two. Number one, your focus, your, your, your chief focus has to always be to, to get to know Jesus, to discover Jesus in whatever experience you're in. That's number one. Number two, you have to master the art of forgetting the past. Now I'm going to add this, I'm going to insert this in order to pick up his full meaning. Forget the past, but remember the lessons. Come on, tell somebody close to you, say forget the past, but remember the lessons. All right, now. To illustrate this, this is, this is really about to get exciting, everybody. All right, it's about to really get exciting. I'm bringing out this thing here. It's getting really exciting. All right, here we are. All right, all right, all right, all right. Come on, tell somebody. It's, it's, it's about to get really exciting. Tell them. We, he's about to go deep right now. About to go deep. All right. 
right. I read a book. Uh, one of my, uh, Celeste told me about this book the other day, and I went and checked it out. It's written by Andy Andrew, and it's entitled The Little Things. And Andy, inside of this book, there's a chapter where he makes this point. In order to forget the past, I'm using my language here. In order to forget the past, but remember the lessons. So that you can apply it in a powerful way that propels you forward. You've got to know the distinction between two words. First word is perception. Everybody shout perception. Second word is perspective. Everybody shout perspective. All right. Perception. What do I perceive through my five senses? Right? What do I see? What do I hear? So perception uh, has to do with uh, what I observe. It has to do with what I experience. It has to do with the facts. Perspective has to do with how I interpret what I observe, what I experience, the facts. Ah, perspective has to do with an interpretation that reflects my point of view. Or to flip it so you get it, my view point it's based on what angle I'm looking at the facts alright if, you, if you're with me so far say amen, amen. alright now let me illustrate let's go back to Friday night since we're all plugged in alright uh even the Cavaliers knew these facts. That they were outgunned. They were outplayed. They were outmatched. LeBron James said he's never played a team with as much firepower as the Warriors. That's what he said. All right. Now, how did we interpret these facts? Well, let me tell you how. I, here's how I interpreted it. By the time we got to the third game, they were so outgunned, so outplayed, so outmatched. I just brought out my broom. <laughs> this is obvious. It's going to be a what? It's going to be a sweep. It's clear. And I wasn't by myself. Most of y'all believe the same thing. Half of America believed the same. Even Cavalier fans believed it. All right? Watch this. But the Cavaliers looked at the same facts, but they interpret them differently. They decided, they looked at this. 
They looked at how they lost three games. But then, watch this. They changed their viewpoint. Because as long as they were focused on the last three games, they didn't have a chance. But when they widened their viewpoint, y'all listening to me? And look back what they did over the course of the year and how at least twice they broke the record for more three points in one game than any other NBA team, including the Warriors. And they looked at what Kyrie has done on his best days. Come on now. And they looked at what Mr. Smith has done on his best days. And they looked what Kova has done on his best days. And, and Tristan Thompson realized, here's how I play on my best day. Y'all listening? So based on a broader view, they concluded a different conclusion. They said, watch this. On the one hand, we need to forget the past. We have to forget the last three games. We cannot go into this game, Kyrie, you thinking about how you messed up the last 30 seconds when you should have passed the ball. You can't go in thinking about that. Cannot go in this game, Corval, thinking about how you had an open three-point and you missed. You cannot go in thinking about this. JR, you can't go in thinking about all the threes you missed. Cannot do that. Because that just means you're going to be stuck. It's going to color your ability to perform. So forget, the Greek word for forget, it, it really means to selectively ignore. Some of our spouses know how to do that really well. <laughs> and the children really know how to do it. <laughs> what Paul is saying, we're going to pick some things that we're going to ignore. But in order to win, we have to extract some lessons. So we're not going to go into grain four. Come on now. Uh, uh, buried under the mistakes of the last three games. We're going to go into game four. Kyrie, learn your lesson. Corva, learn your lesson. Mr. Smith, learn your lesson. You got to learn. Come on. Uh, 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 the coach, you, you, you give Mr. James an extra 30 seconds on the bench because you need just an extra 30 seconds. Uh, 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 everybody, learn the lessons. And then execute out of the lessons, not out of the misery. And watch this. And focus. And so, for the rest of us, that should have been the last game. But the Cavaliers came on concluding, even before they, they say, we're going to make this the first game of our historic comeback. Now, I hope y'all learn this lesson so God don't have to make that happen so y'all can get it. <laughs> y'all understand the point? All right, God, so you don't have to make this happen so I can come back here with another example. <laughs> One game is sufficient. <laughs> My point 
Forget. Okay, I know you've been divorced twice. But, 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 but that doesn't make you a bad person. The question is, what lessons can you extract? It just means you lost twice. Didn't make the Cavaliers a bad team because they lost three times, even though we were saying. No. Come on. So you, you lost that company. I get it. But does that mean that you're doomed to failure? No. Extract the lessons and then focus on executing the lessons. Okay, I know you're sick and you're going to the hospital. That doesn't mean that you didn't take care of yourself. Sometimes God allows us to land in the hospital because there's a nurse that needs to be ministered to. So it, it, it's about, it's about, let me trust, watch this, because for the Cavaliers, they concluded the talent that everybody has forgotten we have is our X factor. And all we have to do is execute the lessons. Come on now. And, and, and what Paul is saying is that when you bring Jesus into your life, the one who was dead but rose again. Come on. When you bring Jesus into your life, he becomes the X factor. You have a capacity that nobody else knows you have. That's why he says stuff like, I I'm more than a conqueror through Jesus who loves me. That's why he says that later on in Philippians, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Come on, that's, that's, that's why. Come on, come on. That's why he says, put up Romans 5. Put this verse up on Romans 5 so we can see this. Romans 5, 3. Watch what he writes about Jesus being the X factor. Watch what he writes. He says, we can rejoice too. Also, watch this. When we run into problems and trials. Why? Because we got the X factor. What does it mean? For we know, shall know. That they help us to develop endurance, patience. Come on now. Discipline, focus. That's what it means. Next verse. Come on. And endurance develops strength of character, which is translated broad experience. Come on now. And character strengthens our confident hope. My hope in what? Of salvation. Come on now. And then what do you base that on? Next verse. Watch the next verse. And the hope will not lead to disappointment ultimately. Why? For we know how dearly God loves us because his Holy Spirit reminds us every day we wake up that God is for us and not against us. Come on now. And then put the next verse up. Put the next verse up. And all that is based on this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ, our X factor came at just the right time and died for sinners. If he gonna do that for me then, what can he do for me now? Now let me end it here. So, you, this is a discipline. It's not a one-time thing. You become a champion by learning how to ongoingly forget but remember the lessons. 
and with focus keep applying them. Then the end of it is here. He says, so I look forward to what lies ahead. Now, let me just give you a little scientific fact right here. Scientists are discovering that the brain, God has shaped the brain for exactly what I'm describing. Let me, let me convince you. Let me prove it. You remember when the children of Israel were standing at the Red Sea? Before it got open, they said to Moses, how come you didn't leave us in Egypt? Things were great back there. They forgot They've been beaten every day and so forth. No. Some of y'all, you know this from your own life, right? You dating somebody a few years ago. You knew how lousy they were. But now some years have passed. You run across them. You say, oh my God, she was so sweet. Why? Well, he's so nice. Well, what was I thinking? You know, you know, what you were thinking was he was crazy. <laughs> brain has a way of editing out and re-editing because the brain is designed to free us from being locked in the misery of yesterday and to help us to anticipate the future. As a matter of fact, we're the only uh, one in the animal kingdom who can think way in advance and be inspired by it. So Paul says, forget and remember and then turn and look towards the future. And then he says, uh, the next verse says, I'm going to reach, strain, press to finish the race so that I can achieve the heavenly prize. You can just substitute that word, God's best life for me. That's what it is. All right. Now here's the last insight. So here's the deal. So you got this. And uh, where are my bottles? I haven't lost them. Well, we don't have the bottle. Okay, I'll borrow the clock. Okay, I'll just borrow something. All right, so put the clock here. And what Paul is saying is this. He was saying is that, what, everybody say, what lies are here? So, so what's lying in the path of here? So most of us see the immediate misery, the immediate failure. The past three games, the insurmountable obstacle of becoming a champion, coming back from zero, a three down. But Paul says, see that, feel the pain, glean the lessons, but don't just stop there. Keep looking down the path. And he says, down the path is Jesus who has your best life. Come on, you ain't listening. And he is bigger than any misery you're facing right now. Come on. And so, and so, and so see the misery, but see the prize holder, the one who's got your back. Know that he is working on your behalf and be inspired by what you see. Come on now. And when you're down, get up because you see him. Come on. When you want to quit, start again because here's what I say. And I'll end it here. Here's what I say to people who are in the midst of misery. And I counsel them. And they say, Pastor, I can't go on. I say, here's what we're going to do. Pull out your calendar. What's today's day? They tell me today. Anybody know what the date is? The 11th. All right. Then I say to them, 
I want you to go to June 11, 2018. Flip over right now. So they, they find it. And then I want you to write this. When I get here, things will be better. Now, I'm trying to help them. See? And I say, now here's the commitment I need for you. You're going to feel like quitting, killing yourself, jumping off the planet. But when you get to that point, I want you to remember, I promised pastor that I was going to at least make it to June 11, 2018. That's what Paul means. He says, I'm stretching. And, 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 and you just keep stretching. And you just keep stretching. And when you get a year out from the misery, life will not be perfect. But nine times out of ten, it'll be a whole lot better. So this way I end. Practice the discipline. I want to know Jesus, so I'm going to look for him in every aspect of life and trust him. I'm going to forget the past, but I'm going to remember and with focus apply the lessons. And I'm going to keep focusing on the future, believing that God in Jesus is bigger than any immediate challenge I'm facing. Give God a hand, praise.